The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So I, I have to do it because uh, every other Wednesday, I get made fun of for being beaten to hell. Uh, first of all, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to actually hit a new record button. We're leaving that in there. But I do need to say, first and foremost, happy Brandon Day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. Uh, Brandon, you had surgery that's generally reserved for 65-plus individuals. You all right over there? Yeah, I think that's actually pretty correct there. <laughs> I've, I think I've had now two different surgeries reserved for people that are uh, old enough for the early bird special and <laughs> having dinner about 4 o'clock and probably end up going to bed about 7.30, 8 o'clock and uh, complain about everything in life. So yeah, I think I've had two different surgeries now that uh, resembles a very old man. And here I am at All the right. ripe old age of uh, 31. At the risk of a HIPAA violation, do you do you want to talk about either of them? <laughs> I is that a HIPAA violation? You're I think the it, one that has the, the wife as a doctor. I mean, I don't really know. I can't that, talk. Uh, well, I don't know if I can talk about it, but you can because it's your stuff. You want to talk about your one this week? Yeah, no, I had a cataract surgery. <laughs> that's wild. That boggles my mind. So that's when... Like you get sort of like a foggy lens in your eye, right? Correct, correct, yeah. It so hardens. what they did was, by the way, this follows up glaucoma surgery, which I had two, two and a half years ago. No, you can get uh, a special card for that. Yeah, I could get a special card, that's correct. <laughs> so I had glaucoma surgery. Um, and because of that, I had to keep taking a steroid drop. And the steroid drop we knew would eventually cause me to develop a cataract. Whoa. Like, and it got to the point now where the cataract was so bad that I really couldn't see out of my right eye. Um, and so we decided to remove it, and they put in a new lens. Right. So now I have one eye that sees pretty much 20-20 without glasses. The other one that can't see you-know-what. And then I put my glasses on, and one eye, the other eye, can see great. And then the <laughs> eye that had surgery on can't see anything. And the most important part of all of this is, Brandon, will you be in your car driving later today? Sure will. <laughs> Get off the road, everybody. Run like hell. Googly-eyed Brandon is coming for you this afternoon. <laughs> An 85-year-old man can drive. I can drive. <laughs> oh, man. This is wild. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you all right? You feeling okay? Yeah, I'm actually doing pretty good. Oh, good. Uh, uh, the good. weird thing is that I could technically just get a... Uh, at, well, we ought to see what happens first if this is the vision that it settles at in my right eye. I could get a contact lens in my left eye. And all will be good. However, because of the good eye and the right side, if I bring the phone up close, my left eye is the one that can see it up close. My right eye can't. So I got to hold my phone up far if I want to use my right eye. It's oh, real yeah, the distant phone hold. That's also a trademark old man move yeah. right there. <laughs> you it's got... ideal, I'll tell you that. Um, well, I'm glad to hear you're feeling okay. This is. I apologize for laughing at it. At, uh, your expense here, but it does seem like you uh, you came through the surgery all right. It reminds me, actually, of my freshman year of college, 2001, I took an ocular vision seminar. I don't even know why I ended up signing up for this class. I think it was like, I don't know, it was summertime, you know, you're picking your classes for your first semester of college, and it's like, you can take a seminar, freshman seminars, they'd, they're pass-fail, you can do whatever you want. And it was like, you want to look at your eyeball? And I still have these really 
uh, weird pictures they took of my eye, but I learned about cataract surgery in that class, and for some reason I still remember it, that they put like, or at least 18 years ago, they put like a little tiny uh, like food processor almost, like a microscopic drill that grinds up the pre-existing lens, and then you can actually fill it up with new goo or put a new one in. So this is, I'm sure, wonderful for all the listeners. I don't know why I did that. Uh, but Brandon... Good to good to have you. Uh, glad to I hear got a new one. So I think we're okay without the food process. Okay, good. Yeah, that was um, that was a weird. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Brandon's eyes are messed up. I am oddly healthy this week. Knock on all of the wood that you can see, because you know by next week I'm going to be a disaster again. Sure. Uh, Roll reversal Wednesday. Happy Brandon Day. He's BD Marcus on Twitter. I'm at Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. It's also. Uh, medical vision uh optometry today on uh hoopball radio brought to you Presented by to you by br- brought to you by hawaiian isles kona coffee company and your eyeballs uh hawaiian isles.com at hi kona coffee on twitter you can get them on amazon as per usual one day delivery with 35 dollars on amazon these days so you can get uh three or four bags of this stuff and you could have it by tomorrow morning pretty sweet stuff uh, so it's Brandon Day. It's Brandon Recovery Day, also. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to be thrown straight into the spotlight here because we got season win total numbers two days ago, and your Los Angeles Clippers have the highest season win total number of any team in the NBA at fifty-five and a half. That's yeah, a whopper, man. Straight in and betting the under. That's <laughs> I am a fan of betting the under on teams that get new superstars. This is true. Uh, but you're a guy that follows this team more closely than I do. What do you think about number one, the fact that it is 55 and a half? Number two, that it's the biggest number in the NBA. And number three, you know, we know that the superstars are going to be resting at times. There is a lot of depth on this team. But, I mean, there's, it feels like that's a pretty loaded number. Yes and no, because they won 48 games last year without Kawhi and Paul George, and they didn't really lose anybody. Uh, I mean, you lost Gallinari, obviously, but we were talking about Gallinari for a couple of podcasts, that that's a guy that did still miss a bunch of games. So if you think about it, they added two huge pieces, and because of that, they have a chance now to easily get 55, 56 wins. I mean, look at last year. And the surprising thing to me is not the Clippers have 55 and a half. It's that nobody's higher. I mean, the Milwaukee had 60. Toronto had 58. Golden State had 57. So that's three teams right there that went over the total of 55 and a half. And there are going to be teams that go over. There's no doubt about that. The question is, is the Clippers going to be one of them? Everyone's been saying, uh, well, the Clippers probably during the regular season, not going to be that great. They'll probably end up winning 52, 53 games. And then whatever, they'll be the team that you have to watch out for in the postseason. But don't forget the guys like Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, Shamit. I mean, these guys are going to actually care during the regular season. And they're solid pieces to go along with guys like Jermichael Green. I mean, they still have a very solid team. Um, I think they're going to flirt with that 55 and a half number. But I understand why you go under. <laughs> well, so, I, I mean, I guess my, my question becomes... Uh, I'm so inundated in NBA Twitter, which is a very different NBA fan base than NBA ESPN, if that makes sense. So what is, am I misreading the world? It feels like money should be coming in on the over with this team just because of all of the positive coverage of the offseason. But maybe that's just because I'm 
in my weird little Twitter bubble. What what is the general public saying about the Clippers? Are the expectations that they're going to clobber the regular season or are the expectations that they're going to dethrottle a little bit? I think people are saying that they're going to be a team that's going to run through teams in the regular season. Uh, the only issue is, we like we've talked about, we don't know when Paul George is for sure going to be back. We don't know how many games Kawhi Leonard's going to sit. I think it's important to see when the schedule comes out how many back-to-backs the Clippers have because more than likely he's not going to play in any of them. And you want to see who the teams are that are in the back-to-backs because that'll be important. Uh, I really do think that this is a team that has the pieces. But granted, you got to remember, they had 48 wins last year, but several of those, they were down by 20 or more points and came back to win the game, including the game at Boston. So that's not going to happen very often. And the Clippers, more often than not, ended up on the right side of those big comebacks. So if you think that they're not going to have as many of those this year, maybe you knock them a couple of wins from last year, put them at 46, and maybe Paul George and Kawhi are worth six or seven wins, then you get right under that 55. That's one, though, that everyone's going to rush to maybe either go over or under. In your, your case, you're thinking pound the under. But... You don't really want to mess with those numbers that are going to be so damn close to the actual number. In this case, I think it's going to be really close on either side. Hmm. That's an interesting take. I, I like that, actually, because this is this is my feeling on a lot of these win totals is that, and we're not going to get into uh, all of them today, that a lot of that's going to be saved for Tuesdays with Neil, which is very different than Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, the, the People seen certain numbers, and the immediate feeling is one side is an obvious bet but there are very few of those over the course of an entire season a lot of this stuff is uh gonna end up within you know three or four wins of the number it's not gonna be something that blows past or it gets completely dominated most of the time so uh as a man here Brandon who you do keep a close watch on this team you're saying that this 55 and a half is actually not that crazy on either side because there's pretty strong explanations you could give for both directions on this. The over being, hey, you know, they were at 48. They added two of the best players in the NBA. The under being, these guys have never played together before. There's going to be some serious issues plus rest days. And maybe that just sort of evens out a little bit to around 55. I think they do end up, I have them around 54, 53, 54. So even the under is not like, going crazy under i'd be very surprised this clippers team didn't hit 50 wins right oh uh, for sure i think they'll hit 51 52 easily the question is will they get those extra couple of wins Mm. and you wonder at the end of the season how much they'll need those wins for playoff positioning because that'll be the most important part is whether they need the wins does milwaukee that's that's when the wins and losses add up and when they matter for those win uh win totals i i don't know why does milwaukee yeah, I mean, they're the number two one time. We're just going to stretch it one team further here. They're yeah. at 54 and a half, and you said it. You know, they, they were a 60-win team last year. Do they have, you think, the same hunger in the regular season this year? Is that why that number's been adjusted down? Or is it the, Malcolm Brogdon? The weird thing is, first of all, Brogdon was out a lot of last year. He was. Um, I don't think you're really accounting, putting into effect, or I don't even know what the exact verb is I should use, that Giannis is going to take a step forward. I mean, as scary as that is, he's going to take a step forward. So I don't know. I like them to go over as crazy as that is. Some of these numbers are are very interesting. I got to dig into a lot of this stuff. This is all kind of immediate reaction stuff. Next What's Tuesday, Philadelphia? Uh, they're they're third actually at fifty three and a half. 
Yeah, see, that's going to be close too. Because then you got to you got to figure out how many games is Embiid actually going to play. Because they're a them. much better team with Embiid than they are without. But that was last year before they had Horford. Now they actually have Horford who can be that fill-in center, and you could play a different style of ball that you yeah. weren't able to play last year. That's a huge, huge acquisition for that team to cover up the Joel Embiid injury and a guy that could potentially play alongside him as well. That I mean, that's a... It's going to suck. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot of the East teams that are going to be really bad. Yeah, that's not a surprise that you find a lot of them in the lower half of the season win total numbers here. Uh, I didn't, I didn't check it out quickly, but, uh, you want to, you want to take a stab at the bottom team? I don't know if you looked at the entire list, we could play a little game here. I haven't looked at the entire list, but I'll guess that Charlotte's right there. You are the winner, good sir, at 23 and a half, which is a thing because it's actually really hard to, to win fewer than 23 games in an NBA season. Like you can usually just sort of bungle your way into 20. Uh, Charlotte and Cleveland are the bottom two. So East takes up uh, the bottom two slots. And then you get more, a little bit more of an alternating situation up until like about the halfway mark. And then obviously up at the top, you've got the two best teams in the East. And then you got to go all the way down to like Boston, Indiana, about five or six wins uh, farther exactly. down. So you got to assume that those teams in the East, it's no surprise the top two win totals last year came from the East. So if you figure out that the East is going to be really bad, at least some of the bottom teams, whereas the West, there are only a couple of teams you could say are going to suck. And beyond that, there are going to be a lot of competitive ball games. Um, so uh, what are the Knicks at? Ah, I'm glad you asked. 27 and a half. I like the over, as weird as that is. It's a lot of power forwards. Yeah, stacking. it's a lot of guys, though, that are veterans that know how to score and care about winning. Um, and I don't think they have enough guys that are younger that they can go and just tank at the end of the season and sit all those guys. So I, I think they're just going to walk into 30 wins somehow. Yeah, you know, I'm actually I actually agree with you. Uh, no, th- this is very typical Dan stuff. I don't think anybody should be that surprised. I basically fade the consensus on this type of stuff. And everybody's just been clowning on the Knicks and rightfully so uh, because they missed out on all the big free agents and then signed every power forward available. Um, but I also think that this is a franchise, the franchise story plays a role in some of this stuff too, where they don't, I don't think they want to suck as hard this coming season. I think they sort of learned their lesson because they lost out on the big free agents because their front office was a mess and because they sucked so hard for so long. Uh, the Lakers only dodged that bullet because LeBron loves Hollywood. Honestly, as even as a Laker fan, I can admit that. I mean, if LeBron doesn't go to L.A., none of this other stuff shakes out. And LeBron is in Los Angeles because Brentwood is gorgeous. Uh, and he can do movies like between home games if he wants to. They could, they could have a day-night doubleheader here and he could swing through his studio in the afternoon if he wanted to. Uh, yeah. Knicks don't have that advantage. And so... Uh, and even if they did, Brooklyn has the same one. <laughs> they lost their guys across the bay. So I'm with you on that one, actually, as we talk into some of these things. My, those are usually the first win total wagers I make, which is I look at whatever teams are being clowned on, bet the over, whatever teams people are just lavishing all of the praise upon, and bet the under. What's Miami at? Miami is right smack in the middle, 42.5, basically a 500 team, just, just slightly above it. So they won 39 last year, and you got Jimmy Butler, and you got to assume that they've got those assets they can trade for a piece. Um, I don't know. I think that'll be interesting as well. I like that over. 
you got to look at teams, by the way, that actually have an incentive to win and an incentive to lose. So it is important to look at next mm-hmm. year's draft and who has picks and who doesn't have picks um, and who's got expiring contracts that probably won't re-sign those players so they can trade them during the season. All that stuff really does come into play when you're trying to figure out those numbers. Oh, yeah. The tank is the tank is real. Even with the yeah. adjusted percentages now, uh, we saw this last year. A lot of teams, uh, Dan Vesper's trademark pre-tank at the start of the year by just dumping the first three months before kind of trying in February and March, let their young guys go a little bit. Uh, and so you may have had, like for me, for instance, I, I thought the Cavaliers last year were going to try to play this, hey, we don't, we don't need you, LeBron. We're going to try to win a few games. And they just shut down their only star player for four months. And yeah, uh, yeah that, that put a big hole in that one right out of the chute. So that, that's definitely on the table uh, for some of these teams down near the bottom where it's kind of like no number can be awful enough for them. And you got to keep an eye out for guys in the middle as well on that list. You know, do the Pelicans, if they're going to miss out, do they start turning some guys off at the end of the year? Do uh, Does Oklahoma City trade more of their pieces midseason? What about a team like the, oh, I don't know, Chicago Bulls? What are they this year? Their number is 30 and a half. The Wizards, they could go into tank mode by midseason. So, uh, yeah, this all definitely goes into play, and, and we'll be doing some deep, deep, deep dives on this stuff. I think Neil and I are going to try to cover about six to ten teams every Tuesday for the next three to five weeks, and uh, that'll get us through all these season win totals. This, this is fun. I, I, I love this stuff because it's good talking fodder. And, yeah, me too. And you can win money on it. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't bet a ton of it, but it's still it's fun to talk about. So uh, if we are running out of subjects to talk about like we are today, oh, it's yeah. a good thing to discuss. Jam, uh, jam-packed news cycle these days. <laughs> hey, wait. One thing we didn't discuss before the show about things going on. I'm not sure if you talked about it yesterday. Did you talk about this whole Anthony Davis? He's going to play out just this one year and then he'll see what happens? No, but I'm not. I mean, this is like this is this is agent speak and he's saying the right thing you know yeah so too what's he gonna say i'm there for the rest i'm there for the rest of my career like Kyrie irving yeah whoops (laughs) i I think he decided to move heaven and earth to go to la and he waved his trade kicker showed how much he wanted to go to la he enjoys the hollywood lifestyle the only other team that he said he would go to is the knicks and i think there's no shot in hell he's gonna go to new york over the lakers so barring some absolute disaster this season Where Vogel stinks, Jason Kidd stinks, LeBron is an a-hole to him. I think that he'll sign a long-term deal next summer. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, this is you have to say this uh, as a player, as an agent, whatever. I don't know. I mean, Kyrie, a lot of times you'll want to just endear yourself to a fan base by saying, yeah, let's, let's do this thing, I'm in. But it makes a lot of sense to just say, let's let's just see how this thing goes. Because like you said... One positive, by the way, to interrupt you, is the fantasy side of it. Is that it shows that he's going to care this year. Yeah. Hell yeah, he is. That's the magic of AD, too, is that when he cares, there isn't anybody close to him in 9-cat. Not even James Harden, when he cares, uh, is close to Anthony Davis. I, I do think there will be a slight hit, obviously, having someone like LeBron alongside him. But... You know, all the big man stats are still out there and available for him. So it's not it's not quite like, I mean, potentially two wings playing together, which is happening a lot in the NBA right now. The, yeah. this, this is a good fit, man. I, I know Laker fan wants to be, a lot of Laker fans want to be upset that they didn't get the third superstar. There's still LeBron and Anthony Davis on this team. They're going to be really good, and those guys complement each other well. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a good fit, and I, I like AD in the first couple of picks. I think... 
it's weird because we'll talk about this obviously in the next couple of weeks, but you really can make a case for a lot of different players going in that top three. I mean, if you really like Steph Curry, you know he's obviously not getting back to you and you have that first pick. You know I do. You, I mean, go ahead. Takes Curry 1-1. There's no problem with that whatsoever. He is going to be that offense. He's going to go back to the Curry that he was before. And barring any sort of ankle injury, the guy is going to light it up. He's going to win you threes. He's going to give you great percentages. Obviously, he'll get you assists and steals. So, I mean, a guy like Curry's great. And then if you want to go with Harden because you think Harden's going to dominate, I mean, go ahead. It really is Anthony Davis. You think he's going to be great, which I think he is. Go ahead. I mean, I have no problem taking whoever you really like. Giannis, I love Giannis. Go ahead. Take him 1-1. Like I said, any of those four guys, then you can make a case for 1-1. What about Cat? Would you throw him in that mix, or is he one half tier down? He's one half tier down. I think he's going to be a really good pickup in that 6-7 range. And then you go ahead and you get somebody in the way back, and you have a really good solid duo to start. I love Cat this year. Yeah, uh, he's great. And he, he's obviously, like we talked about, he hasn't missed games. So And there's no Jimmy thing. Butler either to start this yeah. season, which is <laughs> such a, it's a silly thing to bring up, but Jimmy Butler broke him. Yeah, it's low risk. It's very low risk. Um, I would mm. rather have him over a guy like Kawhi, obviously. Oh, yes. It's, but again, it's you can make a case, sure. If you want to take him in the first three, sure. Why not take Carl Anthony Towns? I because might... it's, it's low risk and you're going to get production from a big man. It just you got to evaluate, and we'll do this obviously as it gets closer, how many top guards there are and how many top bigs there are. Because we've discussed this, and I think last week we talked about it, maybe two weeks ago, there are a lot of bigs you can get late. And so that's one thing though, that you want to evaluate. You don't want to blow your load at the top of the draft with you, bigs and then realize, oh, crap, you're screwed. You're saying you want to uh, load manage your draft? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I um, I may be in the minority here. I would actually take Cat over Giannis this year. Interesting. Yeah. I think Giannis adds even more to his game. I think he's going to become a three-point shooter more than you uh, expect. Oh, man. That would, be, that would be the thing. And you just heard me. I need to load manage here on the podcast. That would be the thing that puts him over the top i've said it for two years on this show he's one category away from being the number one guy he needs either threes or he needs to shoot 80 percent at the foul line but yeah. neither one of those he things said, he said i've only got 60 percent of what i'm capable of so when a guy says that he knows his skills clearly he knows he could be better or he's a delusional athlete <laughs> i don't think so I, I, because he also knows he got exposed when a guy goes out in the That's playoffs true. like that he looks at himself and says, what can I do better next year? And clearly, he knows he needs to get better at shooting the basketball. That was remarkable. He should be able to, he should have been able to continue what he was doing without having to shoot the three ball, I yeah. think. I mean, his skill set is such that, that maybe this is on Coach Bud. And, and you know, I, the X's and O's stuff is, is a tiny bit over my head at times, Uh it just didn't seem like Milwaukee ever made an adjustment in that playoff series. Did yeah. they? They never tried anything else. It was like the definition of insanity. They just kept running it back. And Toronto was like, cool, we know how to defend this. Yeah, that was the one that was in Italy for, so I didn't get a chance to actually watch the games. Oh, yeah. I forgot about uh, that. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I saw the first couple. And I mean, you think with what you had, Giannis and Middleton and Lopez, you had a bunch of guys that could space the floor and allow Giannis to drive. Uh but again, there's only so many times you can get those two or three footers from Giannis. Everybody else has to contribute, and you can't have Middleton going six of 19 in a game, and then games where guys like Lopez are there one game and disappear the next. It hurts you. Who is your 
since we are a little bit slow news day today. And then I want to I want to talk a little bit more about Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook with you, because that happened after we talked last week. And I do yeah. think there's I think there's a, a lot of angles on that that are worth exploring. Uh, my top five today, and this is obviously, you know, my draft is not today. My, my fantasy draft is two and a half months from now, is probably Steph one for me, AD two, Harden three, Cat four, Giannis five. What about you? <laughs> is it those same guys rearranged? <laughs> Or does anybody else sneak in with you? By the way, as a point of reference, uh, other guys in the top 10 last year, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, this is all per game, uh, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving. That was the top 10 on a per-game basis. God. Uh, by Not the way, if you have a pick late in the first round, don't be upset about that because getting Kyrie late is going to be fun. Um, yeah, he's all, he's all alone on that team this year while they wait on KD. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, where does Jokic go? Uh, let's see. Where the heck? Where is Nikola Jokic? Oh, there he is. He was number 13 last year. Yeah. I mean, he's capable of taking it to the next level, too. Um, I he's think not in my top five. Jokic is probably closer to... I'm, I'm the guy that wants to take him near the end of the first round, but I think he's going to yeah. get scooped up before then. I'll probably go on seven or eight. I think it's about the same five, but a different order. I, I would agree with Curry at one. I think I'd probably go Giannis to um, – I think I'd go Anthony Davis three and then probably – Was Harden your four? Harden four, cat five. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's the thing. I have no problem with what you just said to me. It's all going to be so jammed in there. Yeah. Because Steph is going to be – he's going to take a massive leap forward. Two of the other guys on his team are out this coming season and I don't care about D'Angelo Russell he's not he's not taking that many touches away from Steph this year uh Harden is is probably the biggest question mark of those five because of Russell Westbrook yeah but he's still gonna get his yeah he will the offense is gonna run through Harden the interesting thing is you assume that Westbrook would play the role of point guard and if that happens then you have Westbrook driving and kicking to Harden for open three so he's gonna have a lot less contested threes than he did last year until Westbrook uh, misses a contested two and then Harden just takes the rest of the possessions <laughs> right and Harden says F you I've got this yeah I think we I feel like we saw this happen recently but I can't I can't put my finger on exactly who was his team oh yes uh current leader of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh Mr. Christopher Paul or Cliftifer Cliftifer Paul Cliftifer <laughs> <laughs> who's your number six by the way Ooh, that's, that's one thing a... I'm looking at right now is I'm trying to figure out because, I mean, you have Kyrie, Jokic. Um, I'm obviously just looking at teams because I can't think of all these guys off the top of my head. You know who was in the top five last year on a per game or on a totals basis? Who? Vucevic. He was number no. five. He played hard, 80 games. Hard pass. Number five last year. Resigned with the same team. Yeah, no. They also added more big guys and just more wings. and That's true. Here's the totals, by the way. Top 10 in totals. James Harden, number one. Paul George, number two. By the way, there's a, uh, there's a gap of about a, a mid-second round pick between number one and number two last year. Uh, that's, how, that's how good James Harden was. Cat was three. Durant, four. This is a lot of these guys. Well, actually, those guys. Oh, you know what? This is actually including, I think, some of the 
Is this including playoff games? No, that can't be right. Uh, Vooch 5, Giannis 6. This may be including playoff games. I may need to go back and remove some numbers here. Uh, Jokic, Dame, Steph, Bradley Beal was in the top 10 on a, per ga- on a totals basis. Uh, I don't know if this helps us in, in our selection in any way. Number six. That is, that is a very good question. Let's say if I took my first five and I wiped them out, my number six this year is... It might be Paul George, actually. Really? Off the shoulder injury? Yeah, I'm you'd not... Rather, you'd rather have George than Kawhi? I think I would, yeah. I think he plays more games than Kawhi this year. I'm taking Jokic at six. I think Jokic is right behind George for me. I Jokic think I go Jokic Embiid. at six, and I think I probably go... That's a Lillard tough spot. Seven, Lillard seven. Actually, no, Kyrie seven. And then I probably go Lillard eight, Beal nine. Beal at the back end of the first round is not a crazy pick this year. He's yeah. going to be a monster. He was a first-round first guy. First-round guy last year without Wall. Yeah, he was. And that was with him for part of the year. Yeah. Uh, and they and they lost guys this offseason. There's even fewer people on that team that can score. Where do you take LeBron? Uh, he's towards the the back end of the second round for me. I, I don't know that his free throw number ever gets back. No, I agree. Uh, I was just curious as a Laker guy how early you would take him. Yeah, I'm a pragmatic Laker guy. That's I, at least from a fantasy standpoint. This, ah, uh, oh man, yeah, you get, you want a top five pick is what we just decided on air. You but know, I'm okay with the six and seven guys. Like I'm okay with that. But you'd rather have top five, no doubt. Top five or like back three of the first round. I don't want those in betweens because then you get screwed out of the best second round picks too. That's the clunker spot. You're not going to get the dudes that can carry you, most likely. And you're not going to get the guys coming back that you want in the second round. You're going to get those weirdo late second round picks that always end up being goofy. That's a tough spot. Like, if you get the eighth pick this year, you're in a, you're in a very goofy spot. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's... Anyway, this is what you call poorly prepped first round fantasy analysis. <laughs> <laughs> winging it. Job. Yeah, that's right. We're winging it. Okay, let me let me uh, let me ask you a little bit about the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook thing because we we just touched on Harden uh, and his fantasy value. What about Chris Paul? What about Russell Westbrook? I mean, this is we're hearing that uh, the Thunder are prepared to just hang on to Paul this year, which they is, have no choice. Yeah, his contract is a, is a bit of an albatross. <laughs> Who the, is, the only person that would take that contract, the only team would be the Miami, the Heat. Yeah. That's the only team that makes any sense whatsoever. And I, I've told you that the deal is Drogic, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters. I think those three guys for Chris Paul is what that deal is. You could probably sub one out for Olenek, too. I mean, you could put in an Olenek if you wanted to. There's there, Miami has plenty of uh, god-awful contracts. They're just yeah. shorter. And Oklahoma City will give a first-round pick in addition to Chris Paul to, for them to take that contract. They should. It would get him out from under a lot of money over the last year and player yeah. option of Chris Paul's contract. That's that what is... you want to do. You want to go after. You want to get one and two-year guys. And Drogic isn't expiring. And those other two guys have two years left in their deal. Who do you think is saying no right now? Miami? Do you think they're trying to get more pick out of Oklahoma probably. City? Yeah, probably. Because I don't think I think Miami's smart enough to know that losing those guys i mean james johnson was hurt for a lot of last year Drogic was hurt for a lot of last year and chris paul is an obvious upgrade over him um and Dion waiters is a cancer 
I mean, he's he Waiters Island. When you have an island named after you, that means that you shoot the basketball a lot. Yeah, um, and not great so, either. Yeah, I think Miami's holding out for another first round pick, probably. Yeah, I think they probably. I, oh man, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm. I think we might actually see Chris Paul on the Thunder all season long. Yeah, but the question is, then what happens? I mean, are they going to try and go for the nine seed? I mean, at that that point, the Thunder have Stephen Adams, Chris Paul, yeah, and Dennis Schroeder. Boy, you got I your mean, guy Shea. Yeah, well, that's the question: is that you're really going to you're really going to pay that much for Shea Gilders Alexander, and you're not going to start him? He's probably long enough to play the two, right? Nah, he's not a two. He can't shoot as well. Yeah, he can't shoot. Mm. So, okay. His, his vision's one. All of this mulling, then, leads us to the question, where do these guys go in fantasy? Because Chris Paul, if he's actually on the nope, Thunder... Nope, nope, nope. Oh, hard man. Not even discussing him. Not, not even discussing him. He oh, will not play 60 games. But, man, he'll be good for those 58. <laughs> uh, what, what about last year made you have any confidence in him? I know his hamstrings are I, I so brutal. I love Chris Paul, but that guy gets a hurt, and b he was not that good when he was on the floor. I mean, he was fine, but you're not you're paying for the name. You're not paying for the production. He has lost a step. There's no question about that. But without James Harden, that dude could just an old rack man. Up. That's all you want. You want Chris Paul, old man squad. You're going big time name, old man squad. Right? <laughs> it's a different. It's a very different senior center on Team Dan Bespris this year. The, the so here's like the question is how much of an anomaly was last year? Because I do think that some of that was a down year, a bad fit, teammates that hated each other. Because this is a guy over his entire career. He's a 47 percent guy from the field. Yeah. Even the previous year in Houston, where he jacked up a bunch of three-pointers in Rockets fashion, he was still at 46% from the field. And then this last year, 42, worst of his entire career. That feels like that feels like more of a blip. And there may be a trend developing. You know, as a guy gets older, you might see that field goal percentage number start to come down a little bit. But he also wasn't as good at the free throw line. I mean, he was a 92% free throw shooter the previous season, and that was down to 86 last year. Something wasn't right between the ears, and I've got to think it was just relationships in Houston. So I do think he's a candidate for a bounce back. Problem is that I don't think I'm alone. You know, if he's if he's the guy on Oklahoma City, then other people are going to be drafting him earlier, and it's going to blow up my plan to let him fall a little bit and then scoop him up. So, uh but am I trapped in my bubble again? Are, are people so afraid of Chris Paul's age that they're going to stay away anyway? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what, about, what about on the Westbrook side? By the way, it's very hard to say what about Westbrook five, five times in a row. I already goofed it up. Ahem. What about Westbrook? He feels like he's, he's got to take a hit. Well, uh, yes and no. Because you got to remember, he was sharing the ball out with Paul George. Um, I think his assist numbers are going to be really high with James Harden um, and with Clint Capella. I think that those guys will help a lot. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does because Westbrook is not a spot-up three-point shooter. And we saw Chris Paul was really the guy that only – he's the one that took the jump shots, but he also took a bunch of threes. Um, they're going to play high up-tempo offense so he's going to get a lot of steals i think because they're going to be going back and forth also a lot of turnovers 
Um, he'll also get fouled a lot since he's going to be on a team with Harden. So that's the question is what's his free throw percentage going to end at? I think that'll Oof. probably be the key point deciding his value. Um, it's a tough guy to own, especially yeah. after last year where he killed you in turnovers and field goal percentage and free throw percentage. Yeah, at one point, both of them. 50, 50%. Both of them. Yeah, crushing percentages last year. It's kind of amazing, actually, that he was number 30 despite having some of the worst percentage uh, values in fantasy. I mean, he was like... He was at 90 at like the All-Star break. 90 what? Uh, like, in terms of the value. Oh, yeah, he finished at number 30. Yeah, yeah, he was at around 80 or 90 at the All-Star break. I remember looking, so I can possibly trade for him. Yeah, he made a few shots down the stretch. I remember this because the team uh, in second place in my Roto League had Westbrook, and I was trying to chase him down in field goal percent, and I kept thinking, this is very doable. And then Westbrook had like a three-week stretch where he hit 50% of his shots. And I went, what the crap, man? Uh, and so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't catch him. Um, yeah, he's a really tough guy to own. You're all, I, I think your only hope there is if he falls into the 30s, which seems highly unlikely given his namesake, uh, you say, okay, well, maybe his field goal percent comes up from 42.5 to, like, 44. Can he remember how to shoot? Because he was an 80% foul shooter for, like, seven years before all of this stuff happened. Yeah, that was a weird part of it. If that comes back, he could be the steal of the fantasy draft, because that was really what was killing you. Yeah, he, he was a top-five guy. I mean, he was getting triple-doubles up the wazoo. So the question is, how good is he going to be? Um, I don't think I'm risking it. No, I don't think I am either. It's funny thing. <laughs> funny we that I spent I'm... this whole off season talking about how we don't want to risk on guys that we are going to kill us in the first couple of rounds. Do you think either of those guys? Do you think either of Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook falls into the third round in any fantasy draft? Oh, absolutely. Chris Paul's not going the first two rounds. Really? Well, now I'm peaked again. If he goes, if he falls to thirty, I'd scoop him up in a heartbeat. I mean, I may just be. Unprepared Brandon at this point, but Happy Brandon Day. I wouldn't touch him in the first two rounds. Why the hell are you touching a guy that's probably going to miss twenty plus games in the first round of his name? I mean, the first two rounds of his name's not Kawhi Leonard. Well, I'm just thinking back to a couple years ago when Chris Paul was on a per game basis a first round guy. Remember, he was going at seven. Yeah. Because what if he's on the floor? What if he's the number seven guy for sixty games? That's basically what Kawhi was last year. And that makes him a top 15 guy in totals. You're not doing it in head-to-head. Everything that I'm talking about right now is, is roto for me. I hope people realize that. My head-to-head discussions, any of these guys that could rest at the end of the year, you're not drafting them. Just don't yeah, do it. And I'm a head-to-head guy. So you bring your roto thing in and my head-to-head. I mean, I just, I'm not touching Chris Paul. Yeah, in head-to-head, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that one. You can't, because the likelihood that you, you, if you're drafting him a head-to-head, you're praying he's traded to Miami if he hasn't been already, I guess. What if he is traded to Miami? Would you risk him then? No, because he's Still no. not going to stay healthy. Yeah, certainly not with Jimmy Butler yelling at him to play 40 minutes a night. When's the last time he played 70 games? It's been a minute. Wait, I'm looking that up. 15-16. Right is it? Yeah. Last three years, 61-58-58. Uh, yeah, hard pass. No thanks. That's not, uh, that's I'm not, not great. I'm the guy that's going to miss 25 games. No thank you. Not great, Bob. Uh... Yeah, he uh, he had that 82-game season with the Clippers in 2014-15, but overall, it's actually been a while for him since he's looked durable. I, I would argue New Orleans. He wasn't even, like, with with your clips, he missed a lot of games. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> you know, I don't have to tell you. Anyway, yeah. all right, so you, they're both off the table for you. Westbrook, Paul, 
no-go. Correct. Okay. What about Steven Adams, fallout guy, who's allowed like, to grab his own like rebounds Steven now? Adams. I like Steven Adams a lot. Uh, I think he's a really good ball player. He faded a little bit towards the end of the season last year. But that's a guy um, – I play in a league with double-doubles. Love Steven Adams. He, like you said, he's going to get his own rebounds. He's a big that gets a lot of steals. Yeah. Um, steals and blocks and then good percentages. Um, he works hard. He's not a guy that's going to sit and tank. Like, there's a lot of guys that will just not put forth the effort. Steven Adams is not one of them. I like him a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I, he's one of those guys where you know the free throw percent is going to ding you a little bit. But sure. Westbrook, Westbrook being gone uh, – his numbers on the glass are going to be insane. He also and doesn't go to the line that much. It was about three and a half last year. Yeah. It's not bad. So it's enough to hurt you a little bit, but if you have any one guy on your team, who's a strong free throw shooter, you could, you could probably counterbalance that. I mean, it hurts you a little bit. Uh, I like him more if Chris Paul's still on the team because he needs a point guard to get him some looks. Oh, I would agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Although Shay's pretty good. I mean, in terms of vision and passing, Shea's good. He's going to take a step forward. But, yeah, he's not Chris Paul. All right. I think that's all I got on that one. Uh, anybody else on Oklahoma City or Houston you think affected by this stuff in a big way? I mean, I I hate to say Eric it. Gordon? Yeah. And P.J. Tucker. Because any six or seven rebounds he was grabbing, Westbrook's going to take two of those. Yeah. I don't think Gordon's going to be as high as he was last year because he's not going to start as many games because Westbrook will play more than Chris Paul will. <laughs> true true because uh, gordon got a lot of starts last year when paul was out and he was very much a specialist even when he was out there yeah 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 um and then okc wise um i don't truth of the matter is it's great value wise i mean he wasn't he was a guy that was on and off the wire last year anyways yeah but he's now the third guard i mean where is he gonna play shooting guard yeah i don't like his stat set anyway yeah, I don't think that he makes a lot of sense. There's going to be somebody in Oklahoma City that's going to step up that we're going to be like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, because they don't—they're not going to have just two guys that we're going to draft. They're going to have—they're going to have to have somebody else. And we're, I'm forgetting someone probably. Yeah, we definitely are forgetting someone. Um, like, play power forward for them. Gallo. Oh, duh. See, that's the guy we're forgetting. Gallo's going to be a guy that if he can stay on the floor, he's going to be really productive. <laughs> well, that's always the story with him, right? Exactly. If, and we've talked about that. I mean, if he can stay on the floor, great. If he doesn't, does that mean Nerlens Noel is going to step into the power forward position? Does oh, he, God help is he still us. Still on OKC? Yeah, he's still signed there despite all of that stuff. Yeah. See, I think that's a guy that could possibly be a, a fun <laughs> late round guy for you in the Roto size. Their the backup Red- four is probably Mike Muscala. How tall is Noel? He can, he can play the four. Yeah, but he can't shoot. True. In today's NBA. Yeah, that's a it's a weird it's a weird roster right now. It's Gal. I mean. Head-to-head guy, though, you've got to be petrified of Gallo. Yeah, 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 for sure. Roto, I'm not. Roto, I'll dump my, I'll dump everything into him if he falls to, like, 65 or 70. That's where I wanted to get him last year, and every damn time somebody scooped him up five picks before me. This brings me to my next point, which is over the next couple of weeks here on Fantasy NBA Today, we're going to be rehashing our team-by-team breakdowns. We're not going to do one every day. We'll do a couple of teams per show. Uh, and this will be the post free agency iteration, right? Because we had the 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 post mortems at the end post morta. I don't know at the end of the year uh, where we broke down what the team did well, where we thought guys might end up. Now we know where guys are ending up, and it's time to start slotting people in uh, for deals. Uh, and I think the best way to do that too, and and we'll we'll kind of lean in this direction. 
This will be starting on Monday of next week. It's going to be a lot of arrow up and arrow down for these guys. We'll, we'll move through the teams at a pretty good clip because we're not that far away from fantasy draft season. But these are the types of names that I think are worth mentioning. I think a lot of people are going to forget that Gallo was traded as part of that Paul George thing. He's in there. Uh, they might be trying to move him, but I think that dude's going to be good no matter where he goes. And in a roto format, uh, if you can squeeze 50 or 60 games out of him and then toss him into the scrap heap when he turns an ankle in March, good. That's all you need. Go fill in yep. somebody else. Um, that's all I got for today's program, though. This, is, this was, again, kind of a slow news day. I thought we were able to uh, find a couple of interesting things to talk about. And you and I hadn't discussed the Thunder uh, Rockets situation, which does have a lot of pieces coming out of it, a lot of tentacles. Yeah, no, and we're going to find out who's going to have the value. I mean, that, I think the Thunder are a team they're going to want to watch in the preseason. You're going to want to see who is getting the minutes and who's going to end up getting the touches because Gallo, Paul, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who ends up having value. I, I think I, li- I think we like Steven Adams, though. I think we decided that. A whole bunch of former Clippers finding their way to the Oklahoma City Thunder from different locations here. <laughs> what a magical time. Um, he's Brandon. I'm Dan. It's Brandon Day. Happy Brandon Day, everyone. Uh, once again, check out HawaiianIsles.com. Tomorrow, the great Neil Rochelani and maybe Josh Millman. I still don't know. Adrian Coach on Friday. Uh, working on getting all that technical stuff figured out. Stick with us on that one. Tom- uh, next week, I'll be back with you on Monday. We'll start this uh, again not a postmortem. It's a it's a pre can't be a pre modem mortem pre death. Is any of these any of these teams dead? Uh, that it's a pre- really really dark. Yeah, that's super dark. I'm going. I'm getting real morbid at the end of today's podcast. It uh, next week we'll start the we'll just call it preseason breakdown. We'll go through these teams. We'll talk about guys we like, we don't like, where we think some values might be, and uh, that'll take us up to mock draft season. That's just a couple weeks away. Can you freaking? believe it brandon feel better can you dig it i can dig my kid has a shirt that says uh i can dig it and so now i've taught him to yell can you dig it i feel pretty good about that <laughs> uh feel better man get that eye right thanks yeah i will be sick next week so you can take care of me then yeah probably that's usually how things work so long everybody have a great wednesday i will talk to you monday fantasy nba today back tomorrow This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.